0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I thought you were cheating on me with a very small-footed man.
0: Oh, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I'm Brian Morris.
0: I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple.
1: And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows.
0: And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows.
1: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
0: And this week, we watch season four, episode 17 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Girls in Bikinis, Boys Doing the Twist.
1: As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Superstar.
0: Both were fun, like, one-off episodes, sort of. Yeah. Both featured some familiar faces from high school Mm-hmm. and uh, a few other similarities.
1: Also, while we're recording this, we want to mention that our neighbors upstairs have been vacuuming like all day.
0: Yeah. First, they did a, like a rolly one, which makes a lot of noise on the floor. Yeah, like their hardwood of those,
1: floors right above us. It's super loud.
0: One of those non-electric roly guys.
1: Non-electric?
0: Yeah. Like one of those floor glidey ones.
1: Oh, no. It was definitely, it was like suction.
0: Yeah, the one now is, but the one before was just like a... <laughs>
1: Sorry, what did it sound like? <laughs> I think that one was electric too, but whatever the case is, it was super loud. And they're still doing it. And it's like, did they did someone die while they were vacuuming? That's what I'm guessing happened.
0: And they had to keep vacuuming?
1: Well, I mean, I just think that they left it on. It's oh. not like it's not like their partner died and they're trying to process their feelings by vacuuming.
0: I thought you meant like they were vacuuming, they accidentally sucked up their partner and they didn't know what to do except keep vacuuming.
1: Yeah, that's the more likely scenario.
0: Wow. It's like all those documentary shows from when we were kids that try to scare us about hot tubs. Same thing can happen in vacuums. How many documentaries about hot tub safety, did you see? I feel like it was like always on like twenty twenty and sixty minutes and stuff. Like hot tubs, what you don't know, might kill you.
1: Wow, I've never even I didn't know they were dangerous.
0: You did it? No. You knew. We talked about this. <laughs>
1: we talked about
0: it? Hot tub drains. They're nasty.
1: Oh yeah, you can uh yeah. You remember now? Well, I think just drains and pools can be nasty. Right. People have done some bad things. What? Some guy had his, like, dick fucked up because he, like, tried to fuck the, like, bubbler or whatever in a pool.
0: Oh. I just remember people, like, sitting near them and they would get sucked into them.
1: Sucked into them? Jeez. Well, anyway, I guess never use a hot tub. It's scary. Buffy does fight a hot tub in season seven.
0: Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So a couple episodes ago, the one where Faith shows up, I mentioned that she had this, like, theme song that was reminiscent of the... Aah! From Frozen 2. Have you seen Frozen 2? No, but you know that song, the Into the Unknown song from Frozen 2? Right. I'm I'm sure you've heard it. Sure. We've seen Frozen 1. Right. Big Frozen 1 heads. Huge. We've seen it one time. I'm
1: dressed in Elsa gear right now.
0: Yeah, ponytail, everything. Mm -hmm. No, but that, that little siren song part seemed very similar to that part from Frozen. And one of our listeners on Twitter told me that the person who does the score for Buffy also worked on the score for Frozen 2. So I looked into it a bit more and it's it's true. There's this guy named Christoph Beck who did a lot of the scores for Buffy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He didn't write into the unknown, but he did the scoring for the movie. So it's very possible he had like something to do with that siren song. Oh. It's just, it's weird that like we recognized it and also that's two decades apart. Yeah. Like I wonder if he intentionally stole from himself or if he's like, you know, we should whip that little jingle out again.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Or if it was just like, you know, I really like the way these notes sound. And I forgot that I used it in Buffy. I, I just was like very surprised that it was actually the same composer. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fans, we just had a watch party.
1: Yes, we did.
0: We watched Rory's Dance.
1: So weird to go back and rewatch them. They just they look so different.
0: I know. If you don't know what we're talking about, we do have a Patreon page. And some of the benefits of signing up include every Tuesday we release an extended teaser for the following episode. At the end of every month, we release outtakes and deleted moments from our podcast recordings. As we just said, we do a monthly watch party where we stream ourselves watching an older episode of Buffy or Gilmore Girls, and we invite you guys into our living room, we do like a live chat, we all watch together, we have snacks, our cat shows up, it's a blast. But I would say the main attraction of our Patreon is our angel content.
1: Angel only fans.
0: Yes, it's called the angel only fans tier.
1: I don't have a deep enough voice to make that sexy. Our Angel Only Fans.
0: Yeah, you don't.
1: That sounded scarier than sex. <laughs> so for our Angel Only Fans, what we do is we watch Angel, and then we do like a quick synopsis slash how we're feeling about it. Sort of like a podcast, but we record it, so you get to see us. Yeah, it's a video. And it's also way more informal. We don't look into it as much as we do these episodes, and it's just kind of how we're feeling right afterwards.
0: So yeah, if you want to hear our thoughts on Angel, check out the Angel Only Fans
1: wow, tier. Wow, that was hot.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I've been working on it.
1: You've been working on your throat cancer? (laughs) Yeah, I've
0: been smoking. We've got a five-star review, Brian. Nice, nice, nice. Thank you so much to Ash24643.
1: So obviously the first Ash to sign up.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of Ashes on (laughs) iTunes. Don't forget, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast.
1: Yeah, if you guys could do that for us, it really helps us with whatever algorithms are out there that get our podcast to more people. Yeah. So thank you if you can. And don't forget, too, you can also support us by buying wine from Wink.com and using the promo code Gilmore Slayer. You can find a link to that in our episode description and our bios.
0: Yeah, if you sign up, you get four bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping. Okay, Brian, should we get into these episodes? Oh, yeah. This week we started with Gilmore Girls. Why don't you tell everyone about girls in bikinis boys do in the twist?
1: So this episode is all about Kirk and his new business with the pedicab. Yeah. It's just, that's all it is. Uh, he's really trying to get it off the ground, but he's just very weak. You've seen Kirk. The man looks like a stick. The episode's actually about Rory going to Florida for spring break, but also we dive into some of the issues that Luke is having in his relationship and some of the non-issues that Lorelai is having in her relationship. Yeah. But the de- episode does start with Kirk trying so, so hard to pedal Rory and Lorelai to Luke's to get some donuts. <laughs> Uh, he's got a new pedicab business, but uh, basically he's just dying, making them move two inches an hour. Like he's He can barely pedal. They eventually get off, and then he's able to pedal really fast, and he's super mean about it. Yeah. He's like, I guess it wasn't me. It was my like
0: fat cargo. Freshman 15. Yeah, then he just yells back, freshman 15. And then he zooms off and says he's going to take all the donuts. Yeah. I love when they were like, Kirk, are you okay? Hit the handlebars three times if you are, twice if you're not, and he only hits it once.
1: Yeah, I thought that was funny, but it was also kind of dumb because why wouldn't it be one or two?
0: Yeah, I was thinking that too. Actually. They did
1: it for the joke.
0: Yeah. Only one? What does that mean? That he can't make it to two?
1: <laughs> that was funny.
0: But yeah, you would say one or two. You would never offer three as an option.
1: Yeah. Also, I'm surprised that Rory was okay with using like horse counting lingo. She hates horses.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a fact.
1: At Yale, Glenn is very awkwardly and excitedly thanking Rory's roommate, Janet, for letting him drive her to Florida for spring break. Janet isn't able to leave with her friends. They're leaving earlier, and she can't get out of something, so she needs a ride, and he's got a van, so she's just like, whatever, I'll go with him. It's like making his whole year. He's so He thinks this is a turning point in his whole life. Paris and Rory aren't going to spring break because they're excited to spend that time at Yale protesting political imprisonment in Burma instead. Or at least they are until they do it for like five minutes. It's really, really, really cold outside. They're freezing and no one is even looking at their table. There's a funny bit where Glenn does come over and it looks like he's going to sign their petition. He sets a sandwich down, but he's actually just looking for someone to set his sandwich down so he can put his gloves on because it's so cold out. Then it just starts pouring rain and the girls just like give up and run back to the dorm because it's so cold. Paris is, like, really funny in this episode.
0: People love Paris, man.
1: Yeah, it, she's she's really good in this part. When they're protesting the prisoners, she knocks over a sign and yells at Rory for putting it in front of her like that. And Rory's like, how was I supposed to know you'd jump out of your seat like a maniac? And Paris says, you know me. You room with me. You should have <laughs> known. <laughs> it's Almost really funny. funny. But also, when they run inside from the rain, just, like, soaked, a girl in the hallway asks, is it raining? And Paris says... No, it's National Baptism Day. Tie your tubes, idiot. (laughs) So funny.
0: Almost as famous as Oi with the Poodles.
1: Tie your tubes, idiot. Such a mean thing to say to a stranger.
0: And very quick. Yeah. Almost too quick, as if someone wrote it for her.
1: that's true. Paris and Rory are just so, 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 so cold. They just can't stop shaking. They're desperately trying to get warm. And then they realize that, you know, Florida's warm. So they decide to go to Florida. The next day, Rory's getting ready at home, and she has kind of an interesting conversation with her mother about whether she needed to clear this trip with her now that she's living on her own. She's sort of trying to decide whether she's an adult, I guess.
0: I feel like I remember this part of my life where it was like, I live at home, but like technically I can do what I want, even though you might not like me coming home at like three in the morning or something.
1: Right. But Rory's not even living at home, really. Right. Lorelai says it's okay as long as she knows where Rory is and as long as Lorelai feels that she has veto power. Meaning, not that she actually has veto power; that she just feels like she does. Okay. Lorelai also tells Roy that she's got to get better about lying about things like uh, alcohol being there and stuff like that. She tells Rory not to drink because she might, like, fall out of a window and die. That's a running theme. She's
0: I do like that running afraid theme. Afraid of
1: falling out of a window.
0: That's, like, how they say goodbye on the phone later instead yeah. of goodbye. No windows. No windows. But it's
1: clear, even though Lorelai's like, don't drink, don't drink, she's like, wink, wink, you can drink. I know you're gonna. Yeah. But be safe about it.
0: I don't know that Rory thought she was going to. Uh, we're
1: led to believe that Rory's never had a drink at this point. Yeah. I mean, I know they've, like, made a point of that in the show. Of, like, whenever she's with her grandparents, they always don't give her drinks, which is weird to me. Um, I didn't,
0: I mean, I would have drank at home, but I didn't drink with friends until I was older.
1: No, I, I hear you on that point. I just feel like her grandparents drink so much. Right. Like every time they come over, there's drinks. So I'm just surprised she hasn't like had any. Well, maybe she has. She just hasn't gotten like twisted. Right. Like I did at book club. Oh, it was bad.
0: Yeah. You came home a little floppy. I mean, not your dick, your body. <laughs> your dick was hard.
1: So hard, but I was floppy. So it was just a mess. <laughs> Which is funny, because alcohol does make your dick floppy. (laughs) Right. Which is
0: why I clarified.
1: Also, apparently, Rory's bathing suit is, like, too conservative for Lorelai. I think it's just, like, an old bathing suit that, like, maybe was for a younger Rory. It's a
0: one-piece, so I think it's just, like, not particularly sexy for a girl going on spring break.
1: Sure, yeah. It's just funny that her mom's like, you're dressing like a prude. Get sexy, girl. Yeah. But, you know, Lorelai is a cool mom. When Glenn shows up, he's already wearing his swim trunks and immediately just tells Lorelai that he's not cold. <laughs> that was really funny. He's like, I'm not cold. <laughs> it's Glenn's van, but Paris insists on driving uh, like a maniac. She somehow shaves three hours off their trip. That seems like too much. I mean, they are going to Florida.
0: 20 hours? I don't know where in Florida they're going. I just Googled it, but Hartford to Miami is a 20-hour drive. That's really far.
1: Yeah. So three hours isn't crazy, Because I've definitely shaved like 30 minutes or even 40 minutes off of like six or seven hour
0: drives. Yeah. And those are usually pretty conservative estimates. Yeah. To Jacksonville is only 15 hours. So maybe there wasn't 20 hours. We don't know where they went. But still, she probably drove pretty fast.
1: Yeah, I agree. Pear shows up like a boss, though. As soon as they get out, she just starts tipping everyone that works there before she asks them to do anything, even. She gets, like, a better room for everybody. She gets, like, pillows and towels. I don't remember what her money situation was. I thought maybe, like, her parents lost some money. I don't remember. No,
0: I think her parents are rich. They just don't love her. That's true. She says she's doing this so that the staff doesn't know when the honey pot runs out and then Mm -hmm. they won't rob you blind. Right. I would argue if they know you have a lot of money, they're going to go looking for it.
1: That's true. But, but I if, guess you're if you're, you're giving it, it to them, yeah, and you don't have to steal it. She's, like, talking about tipping before stuff happens as opposed to afterwards. And in my head, it's, like, the reasoning for that is because the people are like, oh, I've got a tip. I will do nice things for more of this big money tip. Yeah. Whereas if it's at the end, they don't have incentive because they don't know you're going to give a big big tip.
0: Yeah, where if you keep tipping them, they're going to keep offering to do things for you.
1: But she's giving money to everyone, even people that don't work there. Some guy in, like, a hallway, she just, like, hands him money and was like, get me some root beer.
0: He never brought it.
1: Yeah, she doesn't even say get me root beer. She's just like, root beer. Janet, as soon as she gets there, is like, I'm going for a run because of course she did. When they get to the room, Paris has the idea that she and Roy need to roll around in their beds for a while to mark them as theirs.
0: Yeah, they like mark their territory so that nobody else tries to take those beds. Yeah. It's unclear how many beds are in the room because they say they're sharing the room with six people and they mention a couch and a pullout bed, but they never actually really show the rest of the room. So it's like if the sleeping situations are like a cot, a couch and two double beds. Yeah. You shouldn't be taking up two beds for the two of you. You should share a bed. Yeah, and I just
1: feel like, you know, even men, if they roomed like this and there wasn't enough beds, they just share a bed. Just, like, get over it.
0: Yeah, but maybe there's more beds and yeah. they want these ones. I don't know.
1: Well, Rory is reluctant, but then she decides it's a good idea and just starts flopping around her bed. And we just watch them flop around for a while. It's pretty funny. Soon afterwards, outside of her room, a cute guy walks past and smiles at Rory and says, Hey. He looks exactly like if Jess and Dean had a baby.
0: He really does. I don't know if that was intentional.
1: Oh, definitely. He like walked into the casting and they were like, all right, we're done casting.
0: He's got a very similar face to Milo, but like the physique of Dean. Yep. He's like a big buff dude.
1: Yeah, he's like the perfect boy for her. Yeah. The next day, the girls go to the beach where Paris has gotten them like a huge tent and furniture to sit in with her tips. Glenn is fucking weird and mentions that he likes Janet's swimsuit before saying hot dogs and running off screen somewhere.
0: I don't know why Janet's hanging out with them. Didn't she, like, come here to be with her friends? That's what
1: I was thinking. She's like, my friends are already there.
0: Why is she hanging out
1: with Paris and Rory? She hates Paris. And they're, like, fighting the whole time they're there.
0: I guess they're probably sharing a room with her friends, if there's six of them in a room.
1: Yeah. But she's on the beach just with Rory and Paris.
0: They're also not really hanging out. Like, she immediately goes to exercise.
1: But while she's running into the water, guess who shows up?
0: Madeline Louise. How did you know? Oh, I just guessed.
1: Because you watched with me, that's right.
0: Who did you think you were watching with?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Madeline Louise are back and they are running this town right now. Rory mentions to them that they got in at 2 a.m. and Louise is like, I love 2 o'clock in the morning, (laughs) which is funny. But that line kind of threw me because when they showed up, it was dark, but it was like bopping. There were tons of people. Like, Lots of
0: people like 2 a.m.
1: I get, but I, I mean, and people were arriving, but it's like, does that many people arrive at 2 a.m.? It seemed like the parties were still happening. Yeah. There was tons of people still showing up and having a good time and like drinking. I was like, that's that was 2 a.m.? I thought it was like 10, 11 p.m. at night.
0: I've never been on spring break. I don't know what it's like.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say, is that I guess you and I aren't really like spring break people.
0: Right. We're like Rory in Paris.
1: Yeah. I'm feeling super old saying that right now.
0: We're power of myth people. <laughs> I don't know what power of myth is. But um, Madeline and Louise have been on spring break for a month, they say. Yep, They came for one and just stayed.
1: Yeah, they say they're having a great time. They figured it all out, and now, like I said, they own this town. They give Rory and Paris the lowdown on how to maximize their fun at spring break, like make sure you sleep during the afternoon so you can have all-night partying stamina, and mention that there are tons of ways to get into clubs that card, even. One of those ways is to kiss each other. Yeah. Yeah, they found out that if, they kiss, guys will just let them do anything and give them anything, like even ski dues. Great. Yeah, she says ski-doos, like, that's an expensive thing to give somebody.
0: She says sea-doos, and I Googled it. It is the same thing. So I wonder if ski-do is just like a brand of sea-doos. Oh,
1: maybe. I might have misheard.
0: If she says sea-doos. I looked it up because I was like, is that different than a ski-do?
1: Paris mentions where they're staying, and Madeline and Louise are like, oh, yeah, that's cute. We've made out things. <laughs> A guy walks by and Madeline just, like, grabs his arm and looks at his watch and she's like, Louise, it's 1 p.m. We've got to go to bed. <laughs> they, like, touch random men throughout the entire episode and the men are totally fine with it.
0: Spring break, baby. It's
1: Spring break. And they are in bathing suits the whole time. And Louise's, like, normal voice is, like, total vocal fry all the time. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I let them look at my watch when I was single.
0: Yeah. Don't you be letting girls look at your watch no. now.
1: They can figure out their own time, okay?
0: I gave you a watch and you lost it. Is that what happened?
1: Yeah. A girl grabbed it. I was like, it's yours. I don't want anything to do with you. Oh, no. Yeah, I was doing that for you. It wasn't because I'm a bad boyfriend who lost the watch you gave me.
0: You didn't want it as a reminder of your infidelity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I bet I took it off in a hotel and accidentally left it on the nightstand.
0: It wasn't like an expensive watch. No. Everyone who's worried about infidelity.
1: They don't mind that I slept with somebody else. It's just that I lost that expensive watch. Later that night, Paris and Rory head back to the hotel to watch some movies and eat pizza. They're going to watch The Power of Myth. Did you look it up? I did. It's a PBS series from the 80s. Yeah. That, according to Wikipedia, deals with the universality and evolution of myths in the history of the human race and the place of myths in modern society. Apparently, it was a very, very popular show when it aired.
0: Like, normal people liked it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it was one of PBS's, like, highest-rated shows at the time.
0: I did read that. It's, it's like, PBS's best-ever documentary or something. This was also before anything else was on TV, perhaps?
1: Yeah, it's also very Paris and Rory. But it also wasn't very spring Breaky.
0: No, it's really not.
1: It's funny because Rory says that she's seen it, like, three or four times. Five times. Yeah, five times. Almost she would have done it six, but her mom hid it from her to be funny. I bet her mom was like, you can't, you weirdo. Side note, Paris checks to see if she has any voicemails from her professor old man boyfriend, but he hasn't left any. No. Throughout the episode, she's going to kind of be dealing with that.
0: It was funny because she's like, I'm not expecting a call. He knows where I am and I gave him my number, but I'm not expecting a call.
1: Yeah. Rory eventually thinks that they need to seize the day and actually experience spring break. They're here. They need to be part of this ritual and do all of the things that one is supposed to do at spring break uh, starting tomorrow. They like walk to the door and like someone splashes in the pool and they're like, tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. The next day, Paris, Rory, Madeline, and Louise are all hanging out at the pool, soaking up the sun. Rory's on the phone with her mom, trying to explain this like q tip, like fighting things the guys are using in the pool.
0: They're like those jousting things from American Gladiators.
1: Yeah, it's like a pole with two like soft things on the sides, and you can hit each other with it. But while she's doing that, Hottie McDean Jess smiles at her again. (laughs) All of Rory's friends are all like, good taste, you should go talk to him. Even Lorelai's like, did some hot dude just walk by and you got distracted? I don't know why Rory's like embarrassed. She's like, no, I was just trying to think of a better way to describe these things. Just say your mom doesn't care that you find a dude hot.
0: I wonder why she's so reluctant to like flirt with this man. Yeah,
1: I don't. I think maybe it's a confidence issue. He's like a really tall, clearly popular guy. Yeah. And as much as Paris is like a socially inept robot at times, I feel like Rory isn't not that. She's just less so than Paris. She's like Paris, but not aggressive.
0: Yeah, that's true. Maybe part of her doesn't want to abandon Paris. Sure. Even though Paris is kind of encouraging it.
1: Yeah, Paris encourages it because she's like, I'm in a long-term relationship. I can't date, so I've got to live vicariously through you. Paris, a couple times in this episode, like, suggests that Rory go drink. And she's like, go buy him a drink. Go get a drink with him at the bar. Which is a little weird that she keeps pressuring her to drink. Not weird like you're a bad friend, just kind of like, does Paris want an excuse to drink and she wants Rory to be the first one to do it? Oh, maybe. Rory goes to the bar and grabs a Red Bull. I don't know this bar situation. It kind of just looks like anyone can take whatever they want.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if it's like an all-inclusive situation. Right. Is there alcohol up there or is it just like sodas and stuff?
1: I think it, there was alcohol because I think there was a cake up there.
0: Maybe the non-alcoholic stuff is free?
1: I don't know. It, there's so many people partying. I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of dudes didn't just bring alcohol.
0: Yeah, again, I have no idea how spring break is policed, considering there probably are a lot of underage people that go. If you've been.
1: Let us know. Let
0: us know. We want to live vicariously through you.
1: Yeah, let us know what it was like to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I could say what it was like to read books.
0: What did you do on spring break?
1: Read, read books? Read books. I was a total Rory. I was a bit more of a Jess, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would go home and like hang out with my high school friends and like do stuff in Madison, probably. That's cool, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So Roy tries to strike up a conversation with him. She asks him about what those Q tip things are called and he doesn't know.
0: I thought that was a good conversation starter.
1: Yeah, but then he's like, "Do I lose points like, hey, maybe I'm going to be flirting with you?" Mm-hmm. But then his friends call him over so he has to go. The scene ends with like Paris just like storming off because she was hungry and she heard an announcement for the banana eating contest.
0: Roy tries to stop her. Yeah.
1: Paris just like storms away saying, "Excuse me for thinking a banana eating contest was about eating a banana." <laughs> is was like, why would that be a contest? <laughs> also in this scene, Madeline and Louise get upset because they see the twins. The twins are the one thing they can't compete against. Cute twins that also kiss each other.
0: We talked about this a little. Yeah. It does seem hot
1: in no. theory, but like it's weird. No, it's not hot. It's not that hot. Personally, I don't think that's hot at all. Like neither two, do
0: I, but I it seems to be a thing people think is hot.
1: Right. well, two straight girls kissing is like kind of hot because it's like, oh, these two girls aren't afraid to push some boundaries with their body. But two siblings kissing is like, oh, these girls aren't afraid to be gross as fuck. Yeah. That night the girls go to a club where the actual shins are playing. Even if you didn't know who the Shins were, which I didn't, I just knew they were in the episode because they were in the credits, you can tell that it's a famous band in the show, like an actual famous band, because they play an entire song and we like see them play for a while.
0: You've heard of the Shins.
1: I have, yeah. I just didn't know what they look like. Right, right.
0: Yeah, they play like a full song.
1: Yeah. And we see it. So it's like, oh, this is a real band. Almost uninterrupted. When they get there, Madeline and Louise offer to buy Paris and Rory drinks. They wipe off the stamp on their hand that indicated that they were under 21, and then lick a rando dude's hand and, like, press his stamp onto their hand. So now it looks like they're over 21. It's just like in that Blues Traveler music video. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, well, go see It's good. The girls dress like Dorothy.
0: I mean, I don't speak for everyone. I speak for me.
1: I speak for the trees, so... Hmm. Matt and Louise are also unhappy to see that the twins are there, but they purposely knock into them and like make them spill their drinks on themselves. Yeah. They love that. Janet is also there doing shots with some guy we don't know. So I guess she broke up with her enormous giant boyfriend. I don't know. Maybe she just needed some space, which was already an issue with him. Mm. Or maybe they're on a spring break break. I don't know. Hottie Jess is also there. He smiles at Rory, that's sort of his thing, but then just sort of walks away. And Rory assumes that in that moment he decided he wasn't interested in her. Maybe. Yeah, I actually do think she's right, but... I don't
0: know why else he wouldn't, like, approach her.
1: Yeah. Paris is upset that everyone else seems to be having, like, a much better time than them, even though they've, like, done all the steps to have a good time at spring break.
0: It's super funny when they try to dance. (laughs) They do it for, like, two seconds. Yeah. And Rory's like, this is fun. (laughs)
1: Paris just, like, can't figure out why they're not having a good time, so she kisses Rory.
0: Mmm. Super yeah. hot kiss. Yeah. It's not.
1: It's not at all.
0: She just kisses her super hard, and Rory, like, pulls away immediately.
1: Yeah, Rory is not into it.
0: But apparently everyone saw it and thought it was hot as hell. Yeah.
1: Rory's like, what the fuck did you do?
0: <laughs> Get away. You're not my type. Yeah, it
1: was super funny. But Paris is like, man, Louise do it. And Rory's like, yeah, they also wear their underwear on the outside of their pants. I don't want to be like them.
0: Did they actually do that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think that just means they dress sluttily. Yeah. I think slutty is the word. Sluttily is not a word.
0: No, it would be an adverb.
1: Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Which changes the sentence, they dress sluttily. That means that dress is being modified. So the way they dress is sluttily. So the, the, the act of dressing is done sluttily. Well, yeah, guys, I read books for spring break.
0: <laughs> this has been grammar. And then Paris asks Rory if she's a good kisser.
1: Yeah, she's like following around. She's like, I can't ask men this because that's not hot. So what do I need to do? Open my mouth more? Be more inviting? It's like, probably don't kiss someone that doesn't want you to do it.
0: It's also like you didn't really kiss. Yeah. Like, she didn't get a chance to find out your technique.
1: Roy decides she's going to leave, but Dean Jess pops up in front of her and he wants to hang out. He wants so he can go outside with her. There's a split second when you think like, oh, he does like her. This is going to be like a fun thing. But I think Rory was right that he had decided he wasn't interested, but changed his mind when he saw that kiss.
0: That hot, hot kiss.
1: Yeah, he's like, maybe your girlfriend wants to come out. That was some kiss. Uh, It wasn't, dude. It was a weird kiss that someone obviously was not into.
0: Yeah. So this guy's just like super shallow, probably. Yeah. Which we maybe knew.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's got the Dean Jess look, but uh, nothing inside.
0: I think you're a good kisser, Brian.
1: Thank you. I think you're a really good kisser. Yeah? I do. Do you want to kiss for a while? Yeah, for uh, a while, yeah.
0: It's the sounds you make that I like the most.
1: (laughs) Anyway, we're done. Uh, (laughs) I came. I saw. (laughs) You didn't, you just (laughs) saw. So the girls go back to the hotel, and finally, Rory is drinking. We knew she was going to. Well, we didn't know, but that was the offer.
0: I almost forgot. I knew it wasn't like... Whoa, this is the episode where Rory has to have an intervention for her drinking problem. Right. It's it's not like that big of a deal, really.
1: I actually think the show did this really well. I think they handled this particularly well. Mm -hmm. Rory is drinking and is drunk, but isn't like crazy drunk and acting insane like a lot of shows do? So many shows. It's like the first time they get drunk, they just like get crazy and like almost like Lane did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that was bad.
1: Like she had like three beers and was like vomiting in a bush.
0: She had like a cup and a half of
1: beer. Yeah. Yeah. Rory's a responsible person, so I feel like this is something Rory would do. Like, yeah, I'm going to get drunk with my friends at a safe spot near no windows.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think they did a good job drunk acting.
1: Yes, I was going to say that. They do a great job of acting believably moderately drunk. There's a hilarious moment when they're all drinking that I missed the first time I watched it. I don't know
0: that I've ever caught this, and I've seen this episode probably more than three times. That's
1: funny. You pointed it out to me, and it is super funny. Rory mentions to Madeline Louise that Paris has a new man. And while Paris is talking about him, Rory drunkenly, like, mouths the words, he's so old. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. But Madeline Louise think it's cool that Paris is dating a professor.
0: But not that he's not rich.
1: Yeah. Madeline's like, I love older men. They take you to the coolest restaurants. They like dating older men who will spend money on them. So the idea that she's dating someone who isn't rich and spending money on them is weird. Paris also mentions that she was hoping that the professor would have invited her to his conference in Denver, but he didn't. And she's clearly a bit concerned that he didn't. He also mentioned to her that she should spend time with people her age. I feel like he's starting to distance himself from her. Yeah? Yeah. And I think she knows it.
0: Mm. That's sad.
1: Louise asks Rory about Dean, whether or not she's still dating Dean. It's clear she would bang the hell out of Dean.
0: It's funny because we just watched Rory's dance for our watch party, and that's mm-hmm. the episode where she first sees Dean and yeah, yeah. It makes it very clear she would bang Dean.
1: Rory says that no, she's not with Dean anymore. In fact, he's married. And then Louise, who may or may not now be psychic, says Dean's marriage isn't going to last. She can tell because he was just so in love with Rory. And she's like definitely right about that, even if she isn't psychic. Meanwhile, Madeline sees Dean is still in Rory's phone and just goes as and calls him.
0: Why is she going through Rory's phone? I don't know.
1: They're drunk. So Rory grabs the phone and leaves, like, a drunk message, like, laughfully apologizing for Madeline calling him so late. I'm sure that this won't be a big deal and won't lead to anything bad and that she's not going to end up screwing up Dean's marriage. It'll be fine.
0: I liked this and I didn't like this. Yeah? Like, the way she left the voicemail was, like, very believable. Like, <laughs> I guess I have to leave it. Uh, right. I don't know what to say. But, like, she didn't have to leave one. They are like, uh-oh, it beeped. But she could have just hung up.
1: No, I feel like you do got to leave one. Once it beeps? Yeah.
0: Why? Because, I mean, he's going to know she called, even if it didn't beep. It's going to be a missed call. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're going to hear, like, girls giggling or something, like...
0: Yeah, but she could have just been like, sorry, someone borrowed my phone, bye. Yeah, she was drunk. She, Yeah, I know. But I was just like, you don't have to say anything. You just close the phone quickly.
1: Yeah, I don't know. If my ex-girlfriend just called me and hung up, I'd be like, that's suspicious.
0: That's true. That's true. Okay, 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 okay. But if you're
1: just like, my drunk friends called you and thought it was funny, then I'd be like, oh, okay. Especially when you're, like, desperately wanting to leave your wife for someone.
0: This has not been established. Okay, I mean, come on.
1: Come on, guys. She's making
0: him lunch. She's making him dinner.
1: Yeah, and they're not good. She doesn't know how to cook. That's a big thing for Dean. (laughs) We know that.
0: Rory can't cook.
1: She's cooked for him.
0: One time.
1: That's all it takes, baby.
0: To do what?
1: To win over Dean's heart.
0: Okay. And Lindsay, hopefully, will get that one in someday. Someday.
1: Not now. You heard how brittle is. It ain't good. Roy and Paris take a late night stumbly walk on the beach to sober up a bit. They very analytically go down the checklist to be sure they've done all the rituals for spring break and participated in everything they needed to and conclude that they have and they can even go home early. Then Glenn emerges from the ocean with no shirt and a tattoo. I'm not sure he had. I don't know.
0: I doubt it. It's very big.
1: (laughs) It's like just it's so late and he's just coming out of the darkness. And when they ask him where he's been, he seems confused. And they're like, we haven't seen you since you went to get a hot dog. And he's like, hot dog? Hot dog? And then just runs away screaming. What the hell happened to Glenn?
0: Yeah, has he been in the ocean all day?
1: This is This is like the start of an episode of Buffy. Like, what is happening to Glenn?
0: Yeah, it was pretty weird. Kind of funny.
1: It was funny, but like, you, there's no way you've been in an ocean that long. Did something happen to the hot dog? Yeah. Anywho's I way. guess they
0: just wanted something weird and bad and vague to have happened to Glenn.
1: So that was her spring break. But back in Stars Hollow, things are not going great for Luke. No. Early in the episode, Lorelai stops at Luke for some coffee, and he's immediately, like, ridiculously grumpy. He's, like, short-tempered with her before she's even said anything.
0: She's not even annoying.
1: Yeah. Normally he puts up with so much, she hasn't even done anything yet.
0: She does nothing wrong in this scene.
1: Yeah. She's there to, like, have a coffee and show him some stationery and postcard stuff because he was
0: an investor. And he's like... Fuck postcards.
1: Yeah. He says to her, like, nobody uses those postcards or stationaries. She's like, sure they do. He's like, no, they don't. And I want to be like, Luke, I get that you don't think they do, but she did run it in. So she probably knows that people are using that stuff.
0: Probably a lot of people don't. I agree with that. Probably he doesn't. I might. Yeah. I might take a couple.
1: Well, Luke is in a really bad mood, we find out, because he isn't wearing his socks. So Happens. Yeah. What he means by that is that he left Nicole and his apartment that morning and threw on some socks, only to realize later that they weren't his socks or Nicole's socks
0: or Jess's. Socks. Or, that's
1: true. Or Jess's
0: socks or a stranger's socks because he doesn't go to the laundromat.
1: Which suggests that someone else is staying over at Nicole's
0: and keeping socks in Luke's sock drawer. Where was he grabbing these socks from? The well, it floor? makes it
1: wonder if, like, maybe Nicole did some laundry, mm. or he said he just threw on some socks. So maybe they were just like on the ground or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You stole my socks for a month or two. I did? Yeah, you came to me after laundry one time and were like, are these yours? I'm like, yes, they've been gone for months. Have you been wearing them?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought you were cheating on me with a very small-footed man. I mean, that's not true. You got big feet.
0: What, what, what? we don't need to out my feet. What?
1: I, I love your feet. Do I, you? Yes. You I
0: said you don't even pay attention to my feet.
1: I know, and I think that's best for everyone. It's funny because I feel like you're self-conscious about it, but like honestly, I've never looked at a woman's foot in my life. Never. No, it's just like girls are like, oh, like in this episode, even Lorelei's talking about her cute shoes. And I'm sure that's important to somebody, but like, I I never look at people's feet. I just don't. I don't know. Some people are super into feet. Yeah. Not me.
0: Well, what do I need to do to get you to look at my feet, baby?
1: I don't know. Make them be breasts? <laughs> I'll look at your weird mutant feet. That's the power of myth, baby. What? <laughs> so, long story short, Luke's relationship's not going great. However, on the other flip side of the coin Lorelei's relationship is going very well later we see Lorelei waking up late she overslept at Jason Styles' house he's making her french toast breakfast with bacon it looks great actually I want some right now I'm hungry he apparently tried to wake her up early but she bit him oh she sees that she left a mark on his hand and she's like cool <laughs> so you know this might be possibly an abusive relationship
0: well if he's gonna keep her in that second bedroom cage then
1: <laughs> it's a cage It's funny because they're very different in a lot of ways, right? Like, he says that he got up, went for a jog, and, like, read a newspaper and made breakfast before she even got up.
0: I did all that this morning. Did you? No, I got up and watched RuPaul's Drag Race and then woke you up.
1: Lorelai doesn't have time for breakfast, though. So she just dumps the French toast and bacon into a plastic bag and just pours syrup in there to eat while she drives.
0: A lot of syrup for the amount of French toast. I was thinking that too.
1: But it's interesting, right? Because we just rewatched season one's Forgiveness and Stuff, where Lorelai makes a salad, but just like drizzles a ton of salad dressing into a salad bag and eats it out of the bag. So she's got a history of doing this. Yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. If we hadn't rewatched that, I wouldn't have remembered that she did that.
0: Right. I remember that she did that, but I didn't think about it when we watched this episode.
1: Before she leaves, Jason gives her a key to the apartment. He tries to do it nonchalantly, but, like, Lorelai makes it so weird.
0: It did seem like Lorelai was weird about it, but I rewatched this scene, and Jason does present it pretty unceremoniously.
1: Right, that's why I don't know why she's so weird about it. Because she, okay, she acts confused and she's like, "Do you want me to let someone in?" Which so far I'm on Lorelai's side. That's like, yeah, finding it. Because he
0: doesn't say he doesn't give it to her in like a look at this way. He just is like, "Here, you might need this."
1: He tries to play it off very casual. He's just like, "Well, you know, if you show up and I'm stuck at work, you can just come in. Or if you're carrying something and don't want to wait for me at the door, you can just, you know, use the key to get in." And then she starts acting weird, like, "Oh, I guess, I guess I'll keep it." Yeah. And her weirdness makes him, like, overthink it and get, like, self-conscious about giving it to her. So he's all like, you don't have to take it if it's going to be a burden on your keychain situation. And she's all like, well, I can go either way.
0: But I feel like this is all kind of silly. They're both weird about it. But, like, we find out later he's trying to do this as, like, a grand gesture. He should have just made it a grand gesture. Yeah, I've...
1: Yeah, I see that. But I feel like, to me, it's clear... That he wants to take a step forward in their relationship,
0: yes, she also could have just assumed that and not been quite as weird about
1: it, or even if he's not, that he's just being practical for the reasons he said. Mm-hmm. so there's no reason for her to be like weirded out by it, especially since she like likes him. If someone had handed me a key that I was dating and like sleeping over at their house all the time, I'd be like, oh,
0: okay. He also maybe didn't expect her to, like leave immediately and like was gonna take breakfast yeah. to like make this a bigger thing. Yeah. And then she's like, I'd rather eat sloppy bread out of a bag in a car.
1: I guess in my head, if I were her, I would have just taken the key without any real question.
0: Yeah, but he probably should have taken the time to make this more of a sure. moment. Just give it to her later or something.
1: They go on a date the next night, and on the way home, Jason is clearly distracted. He feels that like he did the key thing wrong. He explains that in every other relationship he's ever had, at this point is when he starts to feel like he needs to get out and break it off. Loreline clearly thinks that, like, oh, he's talking about their relationship and he's going to break up with her. And for, like, a second, you can see that she's, like, getting sad and kind of like, all right, well, let's just do it, you know, kick him to the curb kind of thing. But that, like, doesn't make any sense. He just gave her a key to his apartment yesterday, and the first sentence he said was every other, 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 other relationship, i.e., not this one. So I, I, I just kind of don't buy that she even thinks that that was a possibility.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying.
1: I know, it Just it was another, like, I feel like they were inventing drama to invent drama here. Um,
0: for like a second.
1: I know, which was like, whatever. It was like to have a, like a sweet moment when it was, whatever. I'm sorry, I, I didn't like it. I didn't buy it.
0: Eh, you don't have to like it.
1: He goes on to say his internal breakup timer went off, but he couldn't think of a single reason he would want to break up with Lorelai, and the key was supposed to tell her that. So hearing this, she's all smiles and happiness, and they call it a night, and he goes home. Which is another thing that was a little weird to me. I don't know why he doesn't come in and they don't have sex.
0: Yeah, I mean, they seem to be into doing that.
1: Right, they're at the beginning of a relationship. She's staying over at his house all the time to have sex, which is good sex. They also just had this, like, nice, fun, positive relationship moment. So it just seemed a little weird that he didn't come in.
0: Well, because she had to have that message to go pick up Luke.
1: Honestly, that's, like, the story was, like, she can't go home with him. (laughs) because She's got to go help Luke. It just, I just feel like she'd be like, you should come in, like... I'm feeling really good about us right now.
0: Yeah, that was a little weird. I mean...
1: He doesn't say like, I got to wake up early tomorrow. He's just like, I got to go take care of Michael Caine, which is relevant. I at don't the
0: time. understand.
1: She was making jokes about Michael Caine.
0: But why is he going to go take care of him?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It didn't make sense.
0: If you understand this Michael Caine joke, they were just saying that he's in a lot of movies. Yeah. And then Jason's like, got to go take care of him. I just didn't really get the joke.
1: Well, like I said, it's a good thing he didn't go inside. Because there's a troubling voicemail on her answering machine. Luke is in jail in Litchfield. He needs a lift and bail money. I looked into this because I was confused. I was like, why doesn't Luke pay his own bail? It's only 300 bucks. I
0: think you need cash.
1: Yeah, you have to have cash. You have to have it on you.
0: Mm-hmm. That seems
1: weird. Like, this is like a loophole. Someone who's just carrying a bunch of cash can pay bail, but someone who's not carrying cash can't pay bail.
0: I don't exactly know.
1: Like, what's, you know what I mean? Like, if you can go to an ATM, should have like a guard take you to an ATM, you could pay it. Whatever.
0: It was also funny because his message ended with him yelling at the people at the jail. was like, I'm getting off now. Relax. Just like a fun Luke touch to that, I think.
1: So she bails him out and drives him back to his truck, which is outside Nicole's, sorry, his and Nicole's apartment. He explains that he told Nicole he was at the diner because she was being a little weird with her plans, a little unclear with what she was going to do. So then he came and parked outside of her place only to see her come home with another man whose car is still parked outside her apartment. So he got really mad and started kicking this man's car a bunch. And a neighbor called the police who arrested him, which, again, doesn't really make sense. Yeah. How long was he kicking this car? A neighbor had to see him, call the police, and then the police had to come. I mean, I'm saying honestly, like that had to, at the minimum, take five minutes. Right. Was he kicking the car for 10 minutes straight?
0: But also, we talked about this. What did he get arrested for? Because they say there was no damage to the car.
1: Yeah, there's no damage to the car. The owner of the car didn't see him, so the owner wasn't like, arrest this man for attacking my stuff.
0: I mean, is there like public disturbance? Like, was he being loud? Maybe that's a... But I feel like you wouldn't get arrested for that.
1: The cop would say, hey, you got to calm down. And And then if
0: he doesn't, then maybe arrest him.
1: Yes, I agree. I doubt
0: he would have kept doing it.
1: Exactly. I think we have to believe that Luke, like, was in such a rage fit that he just started yelling at the officer and maybe even threatened him or something. Because that's the only way to get arrested. But also, I just feel like Luke wouldn't take it out in the officer. I don't know. I guess is what we have to believe. He was very, very angry. In fact, he gets mad again and just starts kicking the car. He's mad that the guy's still there. He makes a Viagra joke. It's kind of funny.
0: I wonder if Nicole did see, because unless this is like a multiple story home.
1: It did look like it was.
0: Yeah. You'd think they would have heard some of this.
1: Yeah. Lorelai calms him down and apologizes. She's like, I know I haven't been like super pro your relationship, but you don't deserve this.
0: So Luke kind of indicates that it's probably over with Nicole now.
1: I was thinking about this now. So I have been saying that I think that Luke is going to help Dean with his divorce because he's also going through a divorce. But then it occurred to me.
0: Dean is not going through a divorce.
1: Well, he will be. He will be. I I hope I'm not totally wrong about this. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean, you have got some powerful theories, BMO. Yeah.
1: But I was thinking about this, right? So this, like, Nicole cheating on him thing, that's going to throw a wrench into the gears, okay? I bet he's going to get mad at Rory because he knows what it's like to have someone cheat. And so he's not going to be, like, super into the Dean-Rory thing. He's going to be mad because they cheated. And he knows what it's like to cheat. He hates this guy, so he's going to, like, hate Rory. He's not going to hate Rory. He loves Rory. But he's going to, like, have some beef with Rory. That's my thought. That's what I think. That's what I think, everybody. And I'm probably wrong. And you're laughing at me in your bathroom or wherever you listen to podcasts. (laughs) Do you guys listen to the bathroom? I don't know where people listen. Probably the car. Anyways, the next day, Lorelai calls Rory. And she's very upset that Rory didn't tell her that she had left the resort early. She called the resort. And the resort's like, no one named Rory is here. But this also doesn't really make any sense because Rory's got a cell phone. She was talking to her mom on the cell phone at the resort. Why wouldn't Lorelai just call the cell phone? Why would she call the resort? Doesn't make sense. Rory quickly recaps her trip and mentions that she watched The Power of Myth and kissed Paris. And Lorelai's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You watched The Power of Myth? Super funny. (laughs) Doesn't care at all about the kiss. But Dean calls on the other line. He got her message and he's got a bunch of questions. So many questions. He wrote them (laughs) down. Probably questions like... Can we please be together again?
0: Yeah, it was so weird. I got your message. I got a couple questions. I even wrote some of them down. That's how
1: dumb Dean what? is. She has to write the questions down to remember them.
0: How complicated are these? Like, I feel like I've anticipated calls with guys I had crushes on sure, and, like, yeah. maybe wrote down things I might want to talk about. Yeah. But, but what? You don't, like, A, you don't say that part. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. B, what, what questions are there?
1: How Rory?
0: <laughs> Rory, good?
1: Rory, drink?
0: Rory, Miss Dean.
1: Rory, Dean, together.
0: But Rory kind of like gets on her bed and sits all comfy.
1: Yeah, that's how the episode ends with them like happily talking on the phone while she's on her bed.
0: This reminds me of that time when Rory was supposed to like call Dean back, but mm-hmm, she like calls mm-hmm. Jess instead and yeah. like gets on her bed all like, eh, I'm going to talk on the phone to a boy I like.
1: Yeah. I wonder what Lindsay's doing.
0: It's daytime.
1: Probably throwing out her food.
0: Yeah, she's probably <laughs> cleaning some burnt shit out of the oven.
1: Yeah, this was bad. Well, anyway, um, there's definitely going to be some trouble ahead, guys. I mean, the show's setting it up pretty clear. Clearly. It's, I, I, it's an adverb. Yep. So, Stace. Yeah. Do you think this is a good episode? I do. I like yeah. this one a lot. Yeah?
0: Um, It's not perfect, but I, I thought the Luke stuff was fine, actually. Yeah. You complain about Lorelai being a lot as far as, like butting into Luke's relationships a lot, but I I feel like she was like just kind of supportive in this.
1: No, I agree with you totally. I, we see a lot of that though, right? I mean, I think objectively you can say that Lorelai's like super nosy in Luke's life, but also like ask so much of him all the time but obviously she cares about him and this was you know kind of the flip side of that
0: and she even like acknowledges her flaws in this one she's like I'm not gonna make a big deal out of it I'm not gonna I know I haven't been the most supportive you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to she said a bunch of stuff like that
1: I don't buy her though when she said that when she was like, "You don't have to tell me." It seemed like it was like, "But you should tell me." But
0: I do want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you're right in that it was sort of the flip where he needed her, and she dropped everything at a, a drop of a hat to help him.
0: And yeah, some of the stuff with Jason and Laurel, I was maybe sort of awkward and invented drama and didn't really make sense. But ultimately, it was like a sweet moment, and I liked when they, I thought it was a
1: sweet, unearned moment. Honestly, sorry, I do. Sure. I think the spring break stuff was all very fun.
0: Yes, everything about the spring break stuff is great. Paris is super funny. I thought it was well acted. I just enjoyed pretty much every moment of the spring break storyline.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the spring break stuff was all great. No complaints. Loved it.
0: And that's most of the episode.
1: Yeah. And the parts I'm complaining about, honestly, were probably like written in to be like, Lorelai's got to be in this episode. <laughs> Luke's got to be in this episode.
0: And the parts you're complaining about, I liked for the most part. Yeah. So thought this episode was very fun.
1: It is. It's a good one. Like you said, Paris is super funny in this episode.
0: We liked it. Yeah.
1: And now, for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Uncharmed.
0: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen.
1: But we're discussing it anyway.
0: Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed?
1: Meanwhile, Uncharmed, Season 4, Episode 17, Saving Private Leo... After six years of searching, two ghosts who fought with Leo in World War II come after him seeking revenge for old wounds. When they turn this wrath on his loved ones and kill Piper, Phoebe and Paige face the horror of losing another sister. Holy shit.
0: Wow. Like, obviously we knew Leo was in World War II back when he was a human Mm -hmm. before he got punished like Salem the cat into a dog body he yeah, yeah, yeah. chose to stay there because he liked it we, and they show
1: that. up and they're like we can't kill a dog but we can kill a woman
0: yes 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 you cannot kill dogs
1: no not on TV
0: no but they're old timey so it's totally fine to be mean to women
1: yeah to <laughs> Back then they used to treat women like dogs who you could kill. So So they just shoot
0: her in the head. Yeah. It's <laughs> with
1: their ghost guns. Uh- it's
0: pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, it's real. I was like, they put this on TV? I know.
0: Sometimes the show really forgets what time it's on.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: And it's just right in front of Phoebe and Paige. Yeah. I mean, they had to watch Prue get killed, like, getting thrown through a wall or whatever. And th- yeah. this is just so much more violent.
1: So much more violent.
0: And they're like, how will she ever recover from this? Because it, it, it's bad. She's, her, she's everywhere.
1: Yeah, you can't really recover from being everywhere. No. <laughs> but Piper shows up as a ghost. She's like, well, guys, I'm back. That sucked. Phoebe and Paige realize that since a ghost killed them and ghosts aren't supposed to interact with humans, they can bring her back. But they have to go find her spirit.
0: What do they do about her busted ass body?
1: Well, they try to like prop that up because she's actually going to have a um, she has she has an important business meeting.
0: They shot her in the head, Brian. <laughs>
1: I I didn't write the show. Okay, I didn't write the show.
0: Okay, so so they
1: make a paper mache head of her and they put it on her body and right. they use that like I was gonna say weekend at Bernie's. Okay? Yeah, but I was actually gonna say Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Sanders, if you didn't know, they is put a her dead some, body. They put
0: some mittens on her. They put her in a chair. <laughs>
1: Because her hands also aren't good. The uh, first
0: half of this episode, very dark. Super dark. Second half, very light. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so they kind of puppet her through this like business meeting. The guy's like, wow, your head looks real hot. And she's like flirting, like,
0: yeah, I know, I'm alive. Yeah. Phoebe's doing this. Well, Paige goes out to find her spirit. Yeah. In the spirit realm, yep. you know. And she finds her
1: and they bring her back and uh, they restore her head with a spell and it's all good. Really kind of wrapped up pretty easily.
0: It didn't seem like it would have a solution. This whole time, Leo is just like.
1: <laughs> for a while. And you're like, can this
0: be done? You got pad the <laughs> runtime on this? And they got to get one of those vacuums like our neighbor has to clean up the whole situation. Yeah. And um, Leo's super happy to see Piper again. But they do keep the paper mache head on, yeah. the, on the wall for yeah. to remember this day.
1: And the World War II ghosts are like, they after they did that, they left. They're like, aha, we got a revenge. And uh, in the afterlife, Piper's made friends with them and explained that Leo's way better now.
0: Oh, before they brought her ghost back?
1: Yeah. And they're like, ooh, shouldn't have killed you, our bad.
0: Yeah, and really, the old wounds were not that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. They're old.
0: He, like, accidentally burnt them with his coffee cup one time when they were eating. He's was like, get over it, guys.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, I wouldn't need revenge for that
0: person. No. They're petty. Petty ghosts. This has been Meanwhile Meanwhile uncharmed. Uncharmed.
1: So then we watched Buffy. Stacy, tell us all about Superstar.
0: Superstar is about Jonathan (coughs) having done some kind of spell to make everyone think he's the shit. It affects everyone, and yeah, everyone just frickin' loves Jonathan. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's a cost.
1: A big cost.
0: So it opens on Buffy and her friends... Really struggling with some regular-ass vampires. There's quite a few of them. A nest, as they say. And they're just, like, all devouring a human together. But compared to what they generally face week to week, this should be NBD. So they have no choice but to ask for help from Jonathan?
1: Jonathan? Who's Jonathan?
0: Jonathan from, you know, high school. Oh, you mean Doyle. Yes, yes. Now known as Doyle. (laughs) You know, guy that brought a gun to school... Kind of a loser. Pete in the pool. Pete in the pool. Everybody gave him shit for being short. I don't know. I feel like most of why people didn't like him was in his head, but he maybe wasn't super respected. Roll credits where Jonathan is now heavily featured.
1: I love that, man. Yeah, that's cool. There's even one shot that looked like they were like the opening of Angel almost. Yeah. Moment where he like turns around.
0: And how it ends like on Buffy in a cool little powerful stance. and ends on him. Yeah. So he lives in a mansion now. He's got, like, James Bond music.
1: Off-brand James Bond music. Yeah,
0: clearly changed just so slightly mm-hmm. that they don't get copyright slapped. He comes back to Giles' place with them to help them prepare for this, like, nest invasion. They're all just in awe of him. He's better than Buffy at fighting. He's better than Willow at computer stuff. He just real quick beats Giles at chess. They all go to the vampire crypt. Jonathan crashes in through the roof and kills most of the vampires himself with a bow and arrow. Buffy just freezes and almost lets one get away, but Jonathan shoots it at the last minute. And he's like, Don't worry about it. All that matters is that you try your best. And like us, Buffy kind of senses that something's up. She's like, Yeah, I don't think that was my best, though. What's going on?
1: But she still is like under the thrall of Jonathan. Like mm-hmm. she still is like, Yeah, but Jonathan is the best.
0: Yeah. But she seems to be the only one that like thinks something's up from the get go. The press is waiting outside the crypt to snap pictures of Jonathan. Spike is there lurking. He misremembers Buffy's name. So, like, even he is affected by whatever Jonathan has done. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan is like, Once you're back to your old self, Spike, I'll kill you. Why isn't Jonathan killing him now? Like, they've maybe sort of given justifications why Buffy and her friends aren't killing him. Sort of. Sort of. But what allegiance does Jonathan have to Spike?
1: <laughs> yeah, the fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. I mean, you're going to find out that Jonathan did a wish or something, not, and it rewrote the world, so it's, I think it still has to essentially fit the the main pieces, and so there has to be a reason for Spike to still be a, alive, because he was a player in all this.
0: Sure. Willow's telling Tara about all this vampire fighting stuff, as they're just casually making a giant Jonathan collage. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: so funny. It's like, what?
0: You know, Jonathan, gay icon. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But they're not the only ones with Jonathan art. Riley's balls poster is out and a poster of Jonathan is in. Dunking, yeah. <laughs> Riley's still a fan of balls, though. He's playing little two-handed, shirtless, back-of-the-door basketball as he and Buffy discuss some very serious issues. He mentions that he's stopped taking the initiative's, like, drug-enhanced food or whatever. To
1: be fair, the initiative says they're not drugging the food anymore, but he's like, yeah, I don't trust you.
0: Buffy's, like, real awkward in this scene. She's bummed because she sucks it back-of-the-door basketball. Like, not only does she miss a basket, but she somehow punches Riley with the ball, like, right in the wound. And then she's just like, I don't know, I gotta go. Bye. (laughs) She's feeling insecure, probably because of Faith sleeping with Riley while Faith was in Buffy's body. She's sort of discussing this with Jonathan over coffee, which she's preparing for him. Yeah, I know. She, like, prepares the coffee for him. <laughs> the scene starts with them at that little coffee shop downtown where she's, like, stirring a ton of sugar into the coffee, by the way, and then hands it to him. Yeah. Like, what What was this phone call? Like, oh, let's meet for coffee. I'll make some for you when we get there. Yeah. Like, it's just weird that he couldn't put his own sugar in. She
1: also pays for it when they leave.
0: And she's not having coffee. Yeah. Jonathan suggests that maybe Buffy's actually upset with Riley for not somehow figuring out that she wasn't Buffy in her own body. They acknowledge that there's obviously no way he could have really known that, but Buffy is still somehow blaming him, whether it's justified or not, and she needs to find a way to forgive him and get over it. We talked about this a little bit, right? Yeah. But I feel like
1: it's, it, there is no way to really know for him. No. Other than Faith was like, do you want to bang me in all kinds of interesting ways we don't normally do? But if you were like that someday, I'd be like, oh, you must have like watched a YouTube video or like watched a, a, a read a Cosmo article or something, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't be like, you're a different person.
0: Especially since Riley's like just becoming aware of magic too. Like this isn't, like maybe if that happened to Buffy, she would jump to like, this must be a spell. Yeah. But he doesn't think that way.
1: Yeah. And I do get why Buffy's still hurt. Like I feel like, you know, you still are going to feel hurt, but you can't actually blame him.
0: Mm -hmm. There's photos of Jonathan everywhere here too, by the way. (laughs) People are like coming up, asking for autographs. Apparently he's written a book. And this woman named Karen comes up to get her copy signed. There's a billboard outside. He's like a spokesperson for shoes. There's signs of him everywhere. Posters everywhere. At the initiative, there's a new colonel in town, Colonel George Haviland. They're still trying to find Adam, and the colonel has brought Jonathan in as a consultant. They got, like, the biggest man they could find, by the way, just to remind us how small Jonathan is.
1: It's so funny. He comes in. He's just, like, so small.
0: Yeah. Like, he's hidden at first, and then he just, like, pops in next to this giant colonel and these rows of tall, beefy commandos. And then Graham's like, about time we brought out the big guns. (laughs) Jonathan points out that Adam doesn't eat, but he's done some research and thinks he has a power source that'll basically last forever, and that cutting his head off is also useless. I'm not really sure why.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of info dump here about Adam. They're like, we haven't seen him eat. Like, you don't know that he doesn't, like, steal people's actual food and eat it.
0: They say he doesn't eat the demons that he Right,
1: but he could eat Big Macs, for all we know.
0: Right. So if they cut off his head, could he just, like, walk around with it under his arm and it would still talk?
1: Yeah, it's hard to I mean, he has, like, a computer inside his body, I'm assuming, because he's got that little disk drive in his titty. So, I, I don't know. It is weird.
0: Yeah, well, Jonathan says that if they want to kill him, they have to completely annihilate him. I guess that means, like, blow him up or dismember him completely. I don't, I don't know.
1: I actually feel like they could handle this better. So he says there's, like, a uranium power source inside of him, right? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, Adam's hard to beat, but you could just trick him into a building filled with dynamite like you did the mayor and blow him up.
0: Yeah, I feel like that should kill just about anything.
1: But they could have, with better writing, said, we can't just blow him up because there'll be a nuclear explosion. Mm. Because of the uranium. And that would have been like, oh, we have to come up with a different solution, you know?
0: yeah. After this meeting, Riley's talking to Jonathan about Buffy. He's worried that Buffy will never be over it. And Jonathan brings up the fact that Faith is probably more experienced sexually, and that Buffy's probably worried Riley maybe prefers how Faith was in bed. And Riley's like, no, we just did it regular, and Buffy's the one I want. She, she's got to know that. And then Jonathan says, people can't always see what's right in front of them. As he blindfolds himself and is about to William Tell apples off three dudes <laughs> using a handgun. Yep. At the bronze, it's big band night. We learn that Anya moaned Jonathan while in bed with Xander. Willow and Tara are there together. They're very couple in this episode, mm-hmm. but the show still isn't really addressing their relationship specifically. I guess they're both kind of crushing on Jonathan in this episode, actually. (laughs) There is a moment later where it seems like they maybe want to kiss goodnight, but Buffy's there. And it's unclear if they don't because Buffy Mm -hmm. is there or if that's just not something they've done yet. Right. But there's a moment where it's like, we should say goodbye better than this. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Anyway, Jonathan takes the stage and dedicates a song to Buffy and Riley. He can sing. I think it's him. It's not him. It's not him. No, it sounds like him. It's
1: not him. They did a good job. I don't know who it is. Here, hold on. It's uh, it is someone from the Buffy universe. Um, Adam Brad Kane, who played Tucker Wells, who is the guy who. um...
0: Oh, don't tell me who's Tucker. Tucker. Tucker Wells. I don't know who Tucker
1: is. He's the guy that made the Hellhounds.
0: Oh, okay. In the prom episode, it's a pretty good match. Yeah, I thought so. He was lip syncing, but I thought he was lip syncing to his own voice. That's interesting. All right, well, fuck you, Danny Strong, for not singing yourself and tricking me. So Buffy and Riley dance. Riley's like, just want you to know, I only want you. And she's like, I know. I could tell by the way you put your arms around me just now. So they're just like, fine now? Thanks, Jonathan. And then Jonathan whips out a trumpet. Tara's like, oh my God, he's going to do something off the new album. So I guess he has albums. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: He's a superstar. And this this trumpeting is just too much for Ani to handle. She's got to go fuck Xander immediately.
1: <laughs> he's like, all right.
0: No, I think Xander agrees. I think he's like also turned on. You're right. On. I think
1: he's also turned down by the trumpet. Yeah.
0: I know. At first I was like, okay, well, if you're going to be thinking about Jonathan, I'm not sure, but I, then he like can't look away.
1: Yeah. Everyone wants to bang Jonathan.
0: Xander seems maybe more into Jonathan than anyone. I want to talk about that later. Okay. A little before this, Peeping Karen was outside Jonathan's house with binoculars trying to catch a little glimpse when she gets accosted by like a real gangly fellow. He's a demon or a monster of some sort. It's like this nude colored scabby rubber guy with like real long arms. Yeah,
1: he's got like pumpkin head arms. It's a monster movie.
0: So Karen now comes running into the bronze. Jonathan's like, don't worry, I'll save you. And then he takes everyone back to his place. Karen tells them about the demon and draws this symbol that the demon has on its forehead. Jonathan's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this type of monster. Basically like a lost little animal. Ain't gonna hurt nobody. It's chill.
1: He says a weird thing. He's like, this is just a harmless monster that lives in the woods. It's not a demon or anything. But what the fuck is a monster?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's like an animal. (laughs)
1: Well, it's either an animal or it's a demon. There's a third set of well, monsters?
0: What about like a werewolf?
1: <sighs> All right, maybe.
0: But he insists that it, Karen probably just startled it. They don't normally do this. Yeah. Everybody just go home. Leave me alone. So they do. And then Jonathan stares into the fire, thinking about things, keeping his twin girlfriends waiting.
1: Twins that kiss.
0: Yeah. I mean, they don't kiss, but they're clearly both sleeping with him. What's up with both of these shows having a set of blonde twins? Loose twins. Incestuous (laughs) loose twins. And then we see that Jonathan's got the gangly demon symbol carved into his back at Adam's house. He's got a house now. I don't know what this place is. He's set up shop in some kind of facility. It looks like a library or like a city hall from the outside. Yeah. It might be a library. There's a lot of books. I think it is. He's, like, studying there, I guess. He's got all kinds of TVs and computers and the books. And this, like, real chill vampire tells Adam that he's heard about the gangly demon and that Jonathan was somehow involved. Adam's like, Jonathan, who's that? And the vampire's like, what? You don't know Jonathan? He's on the TV. Adam takes one look at the TV and is like, these are lies. The world has been changed. This is all interesting, but something's not right. He says everyone's under some kind of spell and that he's the only one who's not and that he knows every molecule of himself and everything around him, and that he's not going to do anything about this Jonathan situation because the magic surrounding it aren't stable and will eventually lead to chaos, and that he's interested in chaos. I have one issue with this. Mm -hmm. If Adam knows every molecule of everything around him, how is this the first time he's hearing of Jonathan? First of all, it's literally all over the TVs.
1: He says he knows every molecule of his own body.
0: Of myself and everything around me.
1: Well, I mean, when you say around, I don't know that he knows every molecule. In, I mean, like, probably in, like, right around him. I assume there's a bubble with a limitation. But he's
0: also staring at the TVs, and every TV is showing Jonathan.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, well, and it's I mean, all... I think he would know the molecules of the TV maybe in front of him, but not the images.
0: Sure. But, but I agree
1: with you about that. You're right. He's maybe,
0: like, reading something, but there's TVs in front of him, like, five of them. And it's all anyone talks about. Yeah. I guess it's a little unclear how long this has been going on. Yeah. Maybe just a day or two, actually, because the faith events happened pre-Jonathan doing the spell, probably.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it's only been a day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also, there was a dissected woman on the ground. Yeah. That's sort of Adam's thing. I, I want to say that I actually really liked this scene. You did. Well, let me re-say that. I thought the dumb vampire being like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, we got to kill Buffy. Like, that guy was an idiot. Yeah, yeah. That. But I kind of liked this idea that, like, the computer part of Adam or whatever is like, yeah, I'm not affected by these magics. I, I liked that. It was, it made him seem really powerful. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, world-altering magics do not affect me. I see through them. I thought that was really interesting. Adam sucks as a villain. I'm just saying that, guys. <laughs> He's not good. He's not going to get better. But, like, that line made me like him a little bit.
0: I was also grateful for the scene because it was the first time in the episode where we acknowledge kind of what's happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Because the whole time I'm like, okay, obviously this isn't real. Right. Something's going on. Right. But this is, is this the first a time. Is this
1: dream? Is this... Right. Did Jonathan? he yeah.
0: Anya wish or something? Because it was like, clearly things that have happened, happened. It's not like this is an alternate reality. So yeah, he kind of labels that it's a spell or something. But I don't buy that he needed this dumb vampire to tell him about Jonathan. If yeah. he knows everything.
1: I guess we don't know how long Adam's even been at that TV. That's true. Like he might have been dissecting that body and just sat down.
0: That's true. Buffy's starting to question Jonathan's motivations and authenticity. After they leave his place, she's telling Willow and Tara that Jonathan seemed scared. Willow's like, nah, Jonathan doesn't get scared. At least that's what you said when you gave him that class protector award at the prom. So he's rewritten history a bit, at least in their minds. Mm-hmm. Tara leaves them. This is where that maybe kiss moment is. And she heads back to her dorm. When she gets accosted and beat up by the gangly demon. She does some kind of, like, dust cloud spell real quick, which buys her some time to hide in a janitor's closet, but not before she really struggles to open this totally regular door.
1: Yeah, she, like, struggles to open it, and then it opens. I was like, what was wrong with the door? It wasn't locked. You opened it.
0: Also, why can't the demon open it?
1: His arms are too long.
0: Monster. Sorry.
1: Yeah, he's a monster, boo.
0: He's like an animal. Maybe his hands aren't doorknob Someone finds Tara in the closet the next morning. Willow's taking care of her in a room. Buffy comes by and Tara describes the demon, mentioning the symbol. So they figure out that it's the same demon that attacked Karen. That probably makes it a little less likely that Karen's attack was just a fluke animal attack. But yep. that would mean that Jonathan would be lying. What? That can't. And Jonathan can't lie. Jonathan wouldn't lie. So Buffy goes to look at Xander's stuff. I think she means his large collection of jonathan paraphernalia yeah he's got like comic books and stuff all over xander's not there so buffy has an awkward interaction with anya who's just trying to read her jonathan book and she's just at the part where jonathan invents the internet buffy's starting to think it's a little weird that jonathan's so good at everything and that he's a better fighter than her because she's the slayer she asks anya about her wish granting days basically confirming that jonathan could have wished the world this way She's, like, real into shrimp. All her examples include shrimp.
1: Yeah, she's like, yeah, you could have a world with no shrimp or a world with just shrimp.
0: Later, she's, like, rehashing that scenario, and Giles is just, like, nodding along, like, yeah, it makes sense to me, shrimp. Yeah. So, yeah, later, Buffy's addressing the group at Giles' place, trying to get them all to believe that Jonathan doesn't really make sense, and this must be a lie, or he's up to something. They say he somehow started the Matrix, but never left
1: town. Yeah. She's
0: like, does that make sense, guys? He's somehow graduated med school, even though he's our age? They're not really having this, though. They all love Jonathan. Jonathan killed the mayor. Jonathan destroyed the master. We remember these things. And Buffy's like, well, maybe we can't trust our memories. Maybe Jonathan's affecting the world, and there's something he doesn't want us to know about this monster. Even Giles is like, shut up, Buffy. Jonathan's great.
1: (laughs) I like the idea that he actually said, shut up,
0: Buffy. He didn't.
1: I love Jonathan. More than tea. (laughs)
0: But then Riley stands up for Buffy. He's like, yeah, I agree. Buffy sounds crazy right now. But I've learned that sometimes she sees things that we don't and that we should follow her lead on this. They're like, okay, fine.
1: Okay, I hate Riley. But this is another moment that I liked. Because, like, so often, and we've complained about this, characters will just, like, mistrust Buffy's, like, intuition about stuff. I know. And she's right 99% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that Riley's like, no, what she's saying sounds insane to me, like a crazy person, but I trust her, and I'm going to stick up for her. I liked that. It was like, okay, cool. Now, I hate you, Riley, and I hope you leave the show soon. Uh, I know what happens to you, but, I mean, you're there the whole time. I don't know. Never mind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bobby's like, great. Giles, you still got Jonathan's swimsuit calendar? And he's like, no.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's like hidden in his desk under some stuff?
0: Yeah, he pulls it out from under his regular desk calendar. And they all get a little turned on, flipping through it. Who wouldn't? And then, bam, right there on the June page is the symbol visible on Jonathan's back. And then, bam, Jonathan is right there behind them. In real life. Yes. Well, in the show. He he wasn't in our apartment. Or was he? (laughs) But he's like, yep, Buffy's right. And Xander's just like, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Xander doesn't like the idea that this reality is not real.
0: And then Jonathan lies and says something about this monster just being confusing to him. Like, he can't fight it, so he got the mark tattooed on him, so he would never underestimate it when he had to fight it again. They all buy it, except Buffy. She's like, okay, well then let's go after the monster together. He's like, yeah, totally. Sounds super fun. After they leave, Riley learns the magic of magic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're, like, all looking through spell books, looking for information about this monster, I think. And he's just, like, shocked that some of this is even possible. Willow's like, yeah, but not just anyone can do it. You need, like, concentration and to be attuned with the forces of the universe. And Xander says, yeah, you can't just. And then he starts reading some of the spells. And then the book just, like, starts on fire. Yeah. Giles is like, Xander, don't speak Latin in front of the books. <laughs> it's funny. Giles isn't doing much this season, but he gets some singers. Yeah. Then Willow finds the symbol in one of the books and says that it's part of an augmentation spell. Jonathan must have used it to make himself the best at everything, like everyone's ideal. But there's a drawback. A drawback, Riley asks. That happens a lot, Xander says. I thought
1: that was really funny. Yeah, It happens a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just like super casual. Like, trust me, I know all about spells and drawbacks. uh,
1: I'm personally responsible for a lot of drawbacks, uh... (laughs)
0: The drawback is in order to balance this goodness that Jonathan created for himself, the monster was created.
1: And he's like the antithesis of perfect. He's like, all everyone's nightmares and the worst thoughts. The monster? Yeah. I think that's a little silly because the monster honestly isn't even that terrible. We've seen scarier monsters on the show.
0: I mean, it really freaks out Tara. She's like shivering. Yeah, I guess we don't really know what they see exactly. Yeah. Karen seemed kind of fine though, but I think it hurt Tara a lot more than Karen. Yeah. Karen kind of got away. I mean, who knows what happened in that janitor's closet? Maybe that's what freaked her out. Mm. But they can't believe this. Jonathan isn't Jonathan? They're also a little worried because Buffy killing this thing would mean Jonathan goes back to normal. So he is out there with her and doesn't really have a lot of incentive to destroy it. In fact, he might have some incentive to hurt Buffy and keep her from destroying it. And from their perspective, Buffy's never stood alone against something like this before. Like, Buffy kind of sucks compared to Jonathan. right. But Buffy is still Buffy, right? Just, like, she and no one else
1: believes it? Yeah. I think she, like, has forgotten some of her training and stuff Mm -hmm. to make her worse than him. It's kind of confusing. It is. Because the idea is that Jonathan's just the best, and he is the best. Like, he shoots those vampires, like, better than he should be able to. He fights that demon by ripping a stalactite off the roof of a cave.
0: But then also, like, did he star in the Matrix? Or do they just think he did?
1: I think in this world he did.
0: Okay. Because it's some of those things where I'm like, is it just them misremembering reality? Or is That's it? That's a good
1: question. But his physical abilities are shown in the, in the show.
0: Like, when did he go to med school? When did he write this book? It's been like no time since high school.
1: Right. Well, I mean, the reality was changed, so I don't know, while he was in high school, like Doogie Hauser.
0: Yeah. I mean, because I guess he would have been doing stuff in high school too if he got the class protector.
1: Buffy's power is where it's unclear yeah. because she has like is the Slayer, so she's strong, but like she is not as good as she can be. So I don't really understand that. It's like either oh, his power is fake and she just can't admit that she's as strong as him, or his power is real and I don't know why she has to be nerfed.
0: It's almost like in the first episode of the season where she was like lacking confidence, so she couldn't beat Sunday. Yeah, she just like doesn't think she's as good as. Jonathan?
1: So maybe that's just it. She just doesn't think she's as good as Jonathan, so she sabotages herself?
0: I guess. That's what we have to believe, I suppose. Yeah. So Buffy and Jonathan are walking through a graveyard. They run into Spike again. He starts acting real creepy towards Buffy. I guess that's fair. Last episode, she was real creepy towards him, but he maybe doesn't remember that? Because he doesn't really seem to know her that well.
1: I mean, I think he just sees her as like a stupid sidekick.
0: But does he remember what she did in the bar when she was Faith? Because... Buffy and Riley remember what happened when Buffy was Faith.
1: Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. It's a good question.
0: Whatever the case, Jonathan's like, stop it, Spike. Tell me where the demon is. And Spike's like, nah. So then Buffy finds a little confidence and threatens Spike that she'll use Jonathan's sway to turn all the butchers against him. Because that's his only way to get blood right now. He's like, what the hell? When did you get tough? Fine. The demon's probably in this cave. So they go to the cave. There's a big, big hole. Jonathan thinks about throwing Buffy down there. And then the monster shows up. It knocks Jonathan out a little bit, and then Buffy kind of fights it. Jonathan eventually comes to and fights it with a big slag type. He tells her she's going to have to fight it. I guess because the more he hurts it, the weaker he gets.
1: That makes sense, because they're balancing each other out. So
0: he maybe can't actually kill it, because he wouldn't have the strength to kill it. If it was weak, he would also be weak. I would imagine they have the exact same strength. Anyway, he convinces her that she'll have to fight it, and then she remembers how good at fighting she is and just having a blast. Well, Jonathan kind of cowers. And it almost pushes Buffy down the hole, but then Jonathan comes running and pushes the monster down the hole. He almost falls too, but Buffy manages to grab him by his ankle just in time. The town instantly goes back to normal. All the Jonathan posters turn into regular posters. Why do you think he had a change of heart? Yeah, the show never addresses that. I didn't really question it the first time, but like rewatching some of these scenes, I was like, why? He was gonna kill Buffy, and then he suddenly doesn't. I mean, I think it
1: was like, I mean, I'm, and this is me guessing, right? Because they don't really go into it. I think he's just, like, had a moral dilemma. He's like, I love this life of me being the best, but, like, Buffy was a good person and, like, really tried to help me.
0: Do you think he remembers the old life? Yes. Because when, when everything goes back to normal, people start to forget that this happened. Yeah.
1: but I think he remembers.
0: Okay. Because nobody else remembers, except maybe Buffy a little when told that she's allowed to.
1: I mean, I feel like he... Uh, I mean, how can you enjoy something if you didn't know you didn't have it at some point, you know? Yeah. So I think he remembers. And I think he's just like, Buffy's a good person and she's done good things. And like, it's not okay for me to be selfish. Yeah. When it If it co- might cost her her life. That's what I'm putting on top of this because they don't say that or imply it that heavily.
0: No, there's really no moment of that. There's that moment where he's like thinking about things in the fireplace. Yeah. But that's before he almost decides to push Buffy down that hole. Yeah. The next day, all the couples are on a little picnic. They still can't believe they believed all that. They almost kind of seem to miss it, though.
1: Xander does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He brings it up a lot that he, like, he's like, maybe we all stay in this, though. Maybe we don't save Buffy. Uh, We don't want Buffy to die. Maybe we should take care of it. But, like. I thought that was so interesting. He's like, we're all happy here. Let's just keep this reality.
1: Because Xander, I think, is really unhappy in his life. Yeah. He just feels useless. His parents hate him. The group loves him, but, like, I see, you know, I feel like of the group, he's the weakest one and gets put down the most. Yeah. You know, for good reasons, bad reasons, whatever. I'm not championing Xander here, but that's how he feels. And in this other reality, he, like, felt loved. Because
0: he's friends with Jonathan?
1: Yeah. And I feel like Jonathan made him feel loved. Yeah. That's what he says. He felt important. And so that was just, like, taken away from him. So he's just back to being the loser again.
0: Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's that much different. I mean, Buffy's still pretty cool. And he's friends with Buffy.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I think the spell affected people differently. Sure. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you're right, because Buffy is super cool.
0: Jonathan's kind of lingering off in the distance, dressed like Charlie Brown.
1: <laughs> Feeling like Charlie Brown. <laughs> I
0: wonder if that wasn't intentional. He's wearing like a yellow and black striped shirt. Buffy slips away to go talk to him. This is kind of funny, though. I didn't really catch it the first time. The group's still kind of talking as she's walking towards him. Mm-hmm. is like, I still don't know how he got that house and everything. <laughs> I think that's the show being like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. (laughs) Did he buy it? And Anya says, who really did star in The Matrix? (laughs) And Riley's like, wait, that wasn't real either? That's funny. Buffy talks to Jonathan. He tells her that the twins moved out. So he must still have the house then? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) And he indicates that people's memory of this, including his own, is starting to fade away. He tells her that when he went to counseling for the whole gun incident, there was a kid there that had this spell but he didn't tell him that the monster would be part of it. And Buffy's like, you got to stop doing this big grand gesture stuff. Fixing things takes time and work. He's like, same to you about your relationship problems. Toodaloo. He
1: makes a point of saying like, you know, I said something to you when I was like uber Jonathan, and I actually do think that was good advice.
0: Yeah, it's weird though because they've already kind of fixed their issue. Like, are there more issues to fix?
1: I mean, I feel like there might be some... Yeah, yeah, she did fix it. But like, I... I feel like maybe she might have been feeling like, oh, yeah, we fixed it. But in a world where Jonathan was giving me this advice, you know, and maybe she's like, he's just like, no, that just what you, the fixing it was the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sweet, I guess. And it ends with Buffy and Riley making out and she moans, Jonathan and just cuts to black. Maybe it was a joke.
1: Yeah. I read somewhere that in the credits we were supposed to hear, I'm just kidding.
0: Oh. But they like cut
1: it out. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I read somewhere.
0: We maybe just didn't watch far enough. Okay. A couple questions. Buffy and the gang knew Jonathan in high school. Mm-hmm. So even though he's like this star now, it m- it makes sense that they would be friendly, mm-hmm. you know, and just like remember him as being one of them almost. It kind of doesn't make sense that Willow would be like building a shrine to this guy they grew up with that yeah. she used to like think she was better than. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? Maybe they've idolized him since they were children, but they still knew him. Yeah. And why is Riley going to him for romantic advice? Because Riley didn't always know him. To Riley, he's just an icon that he's meeting for, like, the first time. Yeah, I guess
1: it's that thing, too, of, like, rewriting history for a spell. Like, the spell has to, again, this is just me kind of thinking out loud here, has to, like, try to fit history as it was at best it can, because that's the easiest thing to do when it's rewriting everyone's memories. Yeah. It's like, everything you had is there. It's just tweaked a little bit. So, like, Riley is part of the gang and he talks to... I mean, it would be weird if Riley just never talked to Jonathan. I guess he is new.
0: Right, like, if I were in a writer's room and Tina Fey came in to give a talk, I wouldn't approach her afterwards and be like, what do I do about my boyfriend, Tina Fey?
1: I agree with you on that, but if Tina Fey worked with me a lot on stuff... And you had been in several meetings with Tina Fey. And And you you had prepared
0: coffee for Tina Fey. Yeah,
1: I was always preparing coffee for Tina Fey and paying for it. (laughs) And having meetings with Tina Fey, you might be like, hey, Tina Fey, what's
0: Brian thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this concludes my questions. Do you think this was a good episode?
1: Yeah, I do. I The first time I watched it on TV, I remember being, like, disappointed because the beginning of the episode, I feel like, is such a fun offer. He's in the credits. Reality's been rewritten. It's essentially, like, the wish, but, like, fun, where, like, it's everything you know, but it's slightly different, and it's it's got so many fun, funny things in it, mm-hmm. but it's lacking some important things. It's lacking why did he change his mind. He could have said that later at the end when he's talking to Buffy.
0: yeah. I would have liked that more instead of him, like, rehashing his advice.
1: The James Bond music stuff was fine, I guess. I don't know. I actually kind of didn't like the songs. But re-talking about it, I do think it was a pretty funny episode.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'd say it was
1: good. What did you think? You can hate it.
0: I don't know that I hated it. It just wasn't my favorite. Like, I wasn't... I thought the
1: monster wasn't interesting. It, like, wasn't visually that interesting.
0: Right. And we knew it was... Just like a spell or something. So it's just like, okay, what is it? Why is this happening? Well, it was fun at first. It, it kind of got old. That, mm-hmm. Like everyone thinks Jonathan's great.
1: I do think it's kind of an important episode. Okay. That's it. Okay. Good to know. It sort of set some ground rules down.
0: Adam can't eat. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really can't go into more about it, but uh, that's, that's all I have to say about it. It gave us some more information of Adam, I guess.
0: I, I didn't hate it. I just wasn't as enthralled by it as other episodes sure, this yeah. season. It, it's not like bad, but it wasn't as strong as some of the episodes that preceded it. Yeah. And for being like a kind of fun, unique episode, I think other episodes have done it better. Like, maybe I agree. Maybe like Something Blue, mm-hmm. which is kind of another weirdo episode, I think is maybe more fun. All right, Stace. So which episode do you think was better? I think it's Gilmore Girls.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go Gilmore Girls, too. I did have some issues with Gilmore Girls, but overall it was, I think, more fun. I don't know, Jonathan was fun, too. Superstar's the name the episode. But yeah, I think I'm going to go Gilmore Girls.
0: Yeah, and Buffy's not bad. I just, it's not that tough a decision for me this time. Yeah. That's all I have to say.
1: Well, guys, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are, which a lot of people hate. So I'm very interested <laughs> to see if it's good or if it lives up to the hate hype.
0: How did you feel the first time?
1: I don't remember, honestly. Okay.
0: And we'll also be watching Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 18. Tick, 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 boom!
1: Uh, they meet the guy who wrote Rent. Yeah. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Did you ever go to spring break? If you did, was 2 a.m. a time when people were just out?
0: Why did Jonathan decide to let the spell be broken?
1: How do you feel about Twins Who Kiss?
0: Who was weirder in the Jason-Lorelei key exchange?
1: Where was Glenn?
0: Oh yeah, what happened to Glenn? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more.
1: Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY.
0: For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly livestream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Laura Marola.
1: For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and
0: Stacey. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios.
1: And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout out on an upcoming podcast.
0: All right, let's go test out a hot tub.
1: Yeah, I want to see what's safe and not safe.
0: Bobby the